Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we bring you Epcot 201, a follow-up to our Epcot 101 episode from about 30 episodes ago. We take a closer look at the park, lesser-known attractions, specialty dining, and chat about some more advanced tips and tricks. Find all the episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and we'd really appreciate it if you left us a positive review. Connect with us at DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered, or at WDWDeciphered on Twitter. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So way back in episode four, when this podcast was a mere young baby, we did a one-on-one series for all the different theme parks, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom. And so we thought that it might be time to just swing back around and talk about some of the more nuanced aspects of the parks, go a little bit deeper into strategies that we use when we visit the parks. And so we want to start with the Epcot 201 since Epcot is our favorite park. So if you haven't listened to that episode, we advise you to go back to listen to episode four. Um, check that out. But, you know, a quick recap, you know, we talked about which of uh, the Epcot's tier one fast passes were our favorites uh, and which ones we would rope drop, which ones we would fast pass and which ones we would skip. Um, we also talked about the different festivals that Epcot has, like Food and Wine, uh, Festival of the Arts, flower and garden you know overall we just gave you guys the general overview you know what's the difference between future world and world showcase assuming you guys know all that we want to get a little bit further into what things are like at epcot and how we would how we tackle the parks before we start though there's been some changes with the tier one fast passes leslie can you update us on that yes so the epcot character meet and greet is now a tier one that's the chance to meet several classic Disney characters all in one line and it's super popular in uh, future world. So I guess it's moved on up to tier one. Yep. So that's uh, Mickey, Minnie and Goofy all in one line. You know, I thought it'd be good to start out by uh, talking about attractions. So, you know, what are some of the tier two attractions? So as a reminder, the tier one attractions are frozen happily ever after test track, Soren and now the Epcot character spot. So what are some of the tier two things that you enjoy or like checking out when you're there? Well, being the Epcot geek that I am, I adore Spaceship Earth, which is, if you don't know, that giant silver ball that screams Epcot to everybody in the world. And there's an attraction inside, and that's one of my absolute favorites. And it's still it feels a little dated, but it's it's pretty cool in my opinion, and uh one that I always like to do. Um other tier one attractions include uh, Turtle Talk with Crush, Seas with Nemo and Friends, Journey into the Imagination, Living with Land, Mission Space. What have I forgotten? Grand Fiesta Tour. Uh, n- no Fast Pass for that one. So oh, you're talking about Fast Pass. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the uh, Pixar movie thing? Pixar shorts thing? Yes, yes. Don't Fast Pass that. So, ever. No. Um, so do you think any of them are worth using a fast pass or do you usually, uh, you know, I guess what's your strategy with fast passes since you can only get one tier one, how do you usually handle it? Yeah, I just get whatever works best in our day. Um, last trip that we took my, my husband and my kids went to Epcot on a day that I was doing official press things. So I had to make fast pass reservations for them. 
and uh, definitely had got, I believe, living with the lamb because I thought that'd be a nice one for you know my husband to do juggling two kids solo. And, but, you know, a lot of those tier twos, the wait is just never very long. So you don't really need a fast pass, but sometimes it's just nice to have it. So you know that, that you can go to the ride when you want to do it, but I never stress if I need to cancel one of those or, or you know, reschedule it because they're often available same day. So I handle fast passes at Epcot in two different ways. If I know that I'm going to be at Epcot for an entire day, you kind of know that all the tier two attractions are going to have low lines at some point during the day. Like for example, you don't want to go to spaceship earth in the beginning of the day, but if you go at six o'clock, there's going to be no line. And so what I generally do is I'll make tier two fast passes as early in the day as possible. If it fits into my touring, I'll use that fast pass. If not, I'll let it expire. But the reason why I do that is once you get used up all your three fast passes, then you can make a fourth fast pass. And that's when you want to start searching for those tier one fast passes to get a fourth fast pass at a tier one attraction. So basically you can get t- two tier one fast passes during the day. But if you haven't had your tier two fast passes either used or expired because you passed the time, then you can't get that second tier one. And so I try to get them out of the way as uh, soon as possible. Does that make sense? Yes, that's that's a great tip. And that's, that's true for any park, but especially especially at Epcot because you just, those tier twos just aren't as popular as they are in some of the other, other parks that have them and definitely get them out of the way well before lunch so that you can try to snag those other ones that do open up. And and I think because a lot of people spend time at Epcot, just sort of touring and seeing the sights and looking at the countries and dining, it's just not, doesn't feel like the rat race for ride attractions, except for those tier one, tier one rides. So that's where you have to invest your your time. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then the the second way I would handle things is if I'm only at Epcot for a half day, then I'll just set up fast passes for when I think I'm going to be at the attractions. Just because if I happen to be at the attraction when there's a wait, I don't want to wait in line. You bring up a good thing with World Showcase, though. You know, World Showcase is one of those funny places in Disney World that can feel super crowded, but that doesn't necessarily equate one-to-one to how long the lines are in the park. Sometimes World Showcase is crazy crowded, but you can get on the Rise in Future World with short lines. But what I'm curious about, Leslie, is when you go to World Showcase, what are some of the countries or things to eat at the countries that you feel like are can't miss for you and your family? Gosh, I, I love most of the restaurants in World Showcase. It's just a chance to get to try foods from around the world. Um, but again, because we have younger kids, we're not usually sitting down for super nice meals. Um, always enjoy Japan. I think the food is is high quality at the uh, restaurant there, the name of which is escaping me at the moment. The sit-down restaurant. Um, Tokyo Dining. Aren't there two sit-down restaurants at, at- Teppanito. Yes, yes, that's it. And always enjoy going to Germany. Um, I studied German in college, so maybe that's why I have a particular affinity for German food, but beer garden is always a raucous good time. And my husband's a huge fan of Moroccan food. So we, that's on our bucket list for next time. We, it, we couldn't fit it into our schedule on our last Disney trip, but um, definitely high on the list for the next visit. Yeah, my wife really likes uh, Tangerine Cafe, which is the quick service restaurant at Morocco, um, And but we haven't been to the table service there yet. I'll share some of my highlights from World Showcase. So these are the things that every time I'm walking around World Showcase, I end up doing. So 
I always just swing by the Mexico Pavilion to just go inside and then look at how long the line is for La, La Cava Tequila and then just leave because it's too long. I always do that. Then I always get a Tipsy Ducks in Love from China, which is like the only coffee-based drink, that alcoholic or non-alcoholic, that I drink. Uh, have you ever had one of those? Never. I'll have to try it next time. Yeah, it's like coffee, bourbon, chocolate. It's I don't know. When I read the description, I was like, this sounds disgusting, but it was pretty excellent. Um, and like I said, I don't really drink coffee. Um, I always stop in Germany to get one of the Werther's popcorn with chocolate drizzle and Stroopwafel. I always buy two bags of those. I think it's the green label. Um, one bag to eat while I'm at Disney World and one bag to bring home. In fact, I don't think I finished the bag that I brought home and it's still in the fridge right now um, because we didn't want it to get stale. You got, you should try that. I mean, that, that place smells so good. Oh, it totally does. Yeah, agreed. Oh, top tip there. Just grab the bag. Don't wait in line. Like people wait in line to get the fresh popcorn, but I grab the bag to go because that's the one that has the Stroop waffle in it, which is kind of that um, candied waffle cookie type thing. Um, so I just grab that and I go to where they sell the ornaments and there's never a line at the ornaments place uh, unless you're close to Christmas. And so I just buy it there. So save time in line there. Hot tip. There you go. Yeah. And then I continue on like, like you, I eat in Japan a lot. I think I've talked about that on the podcast before. Um, and then my other like definite must do is as long as I have any room left in my body for food, I will go to France, um, to the ice cream parlor in France. I think it's called Le Glaces de Artisan. Probably totally butchered the pronunciation there. All right. Sorry to all French speakers out there, right? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Sorry. French, not my native tongue. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll always go there and get, they have this ice cream sandwich that you can get inside a hot brioche bun. You know, I just get that like every single time. It's probably like 2000 calories, but who knows? I also hear the ice cream macarons there are very good as well. Yeah. I was trying to add up the calories from when we started back in Mexico. <laughs> Didn't know how many have been consumed around world showcase. So some people drink around the world at Epcot. Joe eats around the world. That's right. I save all my calories for actual food, not liquid food. And of course, because I'm not the name person like you are, Leslie, I got it backwards. It's Le Artisans de Glaces, not the other way around. So there you go. fails all around. I wouldn't have even attempted it. So I'm, I'm impressed that you did. Yeah. So those are the things I do at the World Showcase, but there's also like a lot of cool things to check out. Um, you know, I like the front, the show in France, Impressions of France. It's a great show. It has seating. It's air conditioned. Um, you can relax there. You know, we always stop to watch the taiko drums when they're playing. Um, outside of Italy, they often have, you know, different shows that are going on in the, you know, quote unquote, St. Mark's Square in Venice. Um, and so, you know, there's just tons of stuff to do and just take your time and walk around a uh, world showcase and enjoy that. Yeah, I totally agree. This is just a different type of pace that you should uh, take when you're in the park. So I, I do it very differently. And I often go during one of the festival times. It's almost hard not to go <laughs> during one of the festival times. Now there's a festival all, all of the time. Um, and so when those are going on, I mean, that change that changes how I do Epcot as well, because I definitely want to try all the foods at the booths and, then I neglect the regular restaurants, but you know, they'll always be there for the next trip. That's right. And, um, you know, as uh, red blooded Americans, we would be remiss to not mention the America pavilion, which, you know, has a, a great show. It's very long and very cool in there. Um, I do enjoy that show, although it is like super patriotic. So if you want to like 
start chanting USA. Like I wanted to do that at the end of the last time that I went there. Um, like I was at a soccer game or something, but, um, you know, I really enjoy that. And I also hear that they put in a new exhibit outside. So while you're waiting, you can navigate and there's an exhibit with, um, a lot of uh, native American stuff that is supposed to be around for like the next four or five years. So that sounds pretty cool. And I want to check that out next time. Definitely. I didn't even know that was there. So yeah, I haven't seen that show in at least a decade. So I'm curious, I'm curious how the, how it plays in 2018 America um, versus, versus what I remember seeing it as a child, but uh, yeah, definitely for the next trip, I guess. I would say it's, it's not, not propaganda, Leslie. I would say that. <laughs> but, well, I mean, Walt, nobody did propaganda better than Walt. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, and I mean, I gotta Main say Street USA is mainstream USA is propaganda, American propaganda. I gotta say, um, you know, regardless, you know, I, I do, I, I, I do still enjoy the show. Uh, it's, you know, maybe a little bit too rah-rah for me. And I remember I was there with my friends and they, show like a montage of like Americans at the end. And because it's weird because the show is all about like our American ideals and government, but then they show like Beyonce, who is the queen, by the way, you know, she should be on there (laughs) as a great American. But my friends were like, why is Beyonce on there? It's like so random. Um, so, but updated for, for the 21st century. (laughs) There you go. I mean, I did enjoy the show and I mean, I disagree with my friends there. I think Beyonce should have been in that montage, but we digress. Fair enough. Yes, we so, do. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, restaurants to eat at. You say you like love the restaurants and there are some character dining opportunities in Epcot. Are there any that you feel like are worth checking out or, you know, you generally kind of stay away from that and just eat your way around the world? Yeah, we haven't actually dined at a character meal in Epcot um, because there is so much other great regular food and then festival food. So I know you've tried Akershus, which is not your favorite, right? That's right. It's good for getting in the park early um, and it's great for meeting princesses, but not really amazing for anything else. That's right. And then there's the character meal over in uh, next to Soren um, Garden, Garden Grill. Grill. Is it? Yes. Right. So that's, that's been on my list several times and I've had reservations for it that I've canceled as my plans have evolved and changed. But I do. I, I am interested in checking out Garden Grill because I think it would be a lot of fun to meet Chip and Dale. You can't find them in as many places as the rest. So one of us will have to do that for the podcast next time. Yeah, it's your turn. I went to Whispering Canyon. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of characters, one other thing that I recommend is, you know, there's like a lot of character meet and greets all around Epcot. Like it's, I think it's the only place you can meet Mulan. Um, you can meet Belle. Uh, <laughs> you can meet Belle. Uh, my friend was, he's like, oh, there's a, there's a there's a line for Bell, and he went to go wait there, and then <laughs> he started waiting in line, and then he texted me. I think he had been drinking around the world, and he's like, "Never mind, it's just peasant Bell. I'm leaving." Oh my gosh, <laughs> but, she has to be in the full gown for it to count, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, don't drink in character meat, guys. Don't drink in character meat. No, that's when that's when bad things happen that make you end up on Disney like message boards and stuff as that, yeah. that guy. But I like I like yeah. Belle's, you know, uh normal outfit. And so I think that's the only place where you can meet her in her normal outfit because in Enchanted Tales in Magic Kingdom, she's in her dress, and obviously at all the princess meet and greets, um, she's in her dress. So, you know, there's Pluto's out there, and so there's a lot of different places. So they'll post the times 
that these characters are going to come. And if you really want to meet one of these characters, you know, I would just suggest if you just line up like 10 to 15 minutes beforehand, you're pretty much towards the front of the line and you'll end up waiting as long as you would have if you showed up later anyway, and probably you'll wait less. Um, so that would be my recommendation there. Yeah, that's a great tip. And, and the, there are a ton of character meet and greets in Epcot. And when I, I mentioned my husband took my two kids on our last trip by himself and they made that their mission when they were in the park to meet as many characters as they humanly possibly could and get all the autographs. And my daughter came back and when I, when I, finally pulled up at the end of the day, like the photo pass photos on my phone. I was like, wow, you guys saw a lot joy and sadness too. Oh, yeah. They're at the um, secondary character spot. The one without a fast. That's pass. right. Yeah. So they, my, my, my daughter got a lot of photos um, on that one day in Epcot and a lot of autographs. And I think I'll probably in the show notes have to put up a collage just to show you all the different characters that she was able to get in a single day. Did she get a uh, Donald with a sombrero? Ooh, you know, I think she did. I'll have to look back through my phone. I downloaded them all at the time. I think we. Yeah, uh, I think that one's outside of Mexico. T- yeah. To be determined in the collage. Yeah. So yeah, so it's a it's a great place to meet characters. Um, and so you know, I think Epcot is my favorite park to just walk around and experience and enjoy, and not and not feel the pressure to like go on a ton of rides. That's right. Well. I think we've covered a lot of it, Joe. Before we close it out, I think we should at least mention what's coming to Epcot because it's, you know, we, we try to make these episodes evergreen, but Disney is, is ever evolving and Epcot's going to be changing significantly in the next couple of years with a couple of new rides. So let the folks know what those are. Yeah. So not just new rides, um, but speaking of the rides, so they're going to be putting in a Ratatouille ride, probably in France. And then they're also the old universe of energy ride is that building is going to be gone and they're going to add a new guardians of the galaxy coaster and originally i thought they might do mission breakout like they have um the tower of terror remake in disneyland but that's going apparently going to be a brand new coaster and then finally they just announced within the last couple weeks that they'll be remaking illuminations and introducing a new show in 2019 that's right. So lots of reasons to go back to Epcot in the next couple of years. And I'm, I'm most excited, I think, about the Guardians ride. I love Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout in Disneyland. And I'm excited to see what that franchise will look like in coaster form. I think it should be a lot of fun. We'll have to wait and see. Agreed. We think everything should be done by the 50th anniversary in 2021. So uh, let's close it out with Disney do's and don'ts. What do you have for us, Leslie? So this is going to be a little bit of an odd Disney do or don't. Um, I'm going to say don't do mission space, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, I It's a ride that really bothers a lot of people, even it's in its mild version. And if you have any uh, possibility of having motion sickness or vertigo or inner ear issues, um, it could wreck your Disney day. So tread very carefully and know what you're getting into if mission space is, is on your list. Yeah, I got to say that people do enjoy that ride, but I'm right there with you. Like, even I went on the green version, I guess before they did the remake to make it kind of like, it's kind of like soaring in a soaring in a pod now, I guess. But the seat is just too claustrophobic for me. They close it in on you and uh, I don't know, it's just too much. So I'm, I agree with you there, though. I know people who love it. So, you know, to each their own. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose I'll have to do it again when, you know, we go and try to ride all the rides in a single day at Disney World at some point. That's that's a lot of people doing that right now, but maybe one of these days I'll have to, to get on again, but only for that. 
Yeah, seems like the in vogue thing to do right now. All right. right. So uh, that is it for our Epcot 201 episode. Hopefully we've helped you to plan your trip to Epcot just a little bit better. If you have any tips that you want to share with us or places in Epcot that we missed, little secrets that you think that we should check out, please feel free to connect with us. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com on our Facebook page, DisneyDeciphered, or on Twitter at WDWDeciphered. You can also follow us on Pinterest, Disney Deciphered. Find old episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you left us a positive review. Other than that, Leslie, I will see you next time on the top of Spaceship Earth. Sounds great. Good night, everybody. Thank you.